Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Adu, coming to you from Brooklyn. I'm here for a little stint, catching a little bit of spring, and I'm happy that it's not spring showers right now, even though I don't mind them. We love the blooming flowers, etc. But A sunny day is always nice to have. And my guest is coming to us from across the ocean as usual. He is currently the executive director of Leap Africa, Nigeria's foremost youth leadership development organization. Prior to his position at LEAP, Femi was the founding executive director of Eagles Hope Foundation, a nonprofit initiated by the Covenant University Alumni Association, where he led the organization to create and execute award-winning youth programs. Internationally, he has worked with GlaxoSmithKline Pharmaceuticals and at a social research consultancy, both in the United Kingdom. He has extensive skills in program design and management, learning and development design and delivery, business development, strategy, organizational development, stakeholder management, and innovation management, with a personal mission of facilitating the transformation of individuals, organizations, and nations. He is extremely passionate about leadership and enterprise development, youth development, and youth-led development. Femi Taiwo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Florence. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. And hello, everyone, um, wherever you're listening. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. So, folks, I don't know if you noticed that Leap Africa is not Leap Transmedia. So we have different <laughs> acronyms. So we're going to look forward to Femi telling us about his acronym. And But first, we want to start off with our regular round robin of where are you from, where are you local, and what is your craft? Yeah, um, so my, I'm local in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, I've spent most of my time in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, I would say that's home for me. That's been home for me. I studied a bit outside of Lagos for my high school and for university and also studied and worked in the United Kingdom for a while. Uh, but Lagos is home for me, home for me. I, I get to move around a lot for work, but I always come back home basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And let me ask, let's let's find out a little bit more about your Lagos. Where in Lagos are you located? <laughs> so I've spent most of my time in Lagos on the island. Um, okay. If you're familiar with Lagos, you know, of course, Lagos has both the island, mainland. Some people call some parts the interland, just trying to describe the further parts of Lagos, but that's more or less a joke. Um, I grew up in a place called Oroshoki. It's on the mainland. It's close to, so Oshoki is very close to Bariga, Bagada, for those who um, are familiar with Nigeria. And some of the popular people that came out of Bariga, Oworo area, I don't know if you know Olamide, the musician, Bado, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's his area. Mm-hmm. So the area is a low income, I would say Oworo, Bariga is a low income um, to lower middle class area in Nigeria. So that's where I grew up. And just while I was about entering high school, um, we moved to the island, so a bit of social mobility there. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and so I mm-hmm. spent most of my time in Lagos, um, growing up on the island, and now also living on the on the in the island um, in Lekki. Okay, all yeah. right. Flores, when last when last did you come to Lagos? Um, I was last in Lagos before the pandemic. Oh, okay. So I was there in February 2020. Oh, okay, not too far away. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not so far away. I mean, I like. 
Nigeria. <laughs> I'm looking forward to spending more time outside of Lagos. However, like I've only been to Lagos and Abuja. I love Abuja. And so I just want to, you know, it's a huge country and there's a lot to see and a lot to know. So I'm looking forward lot. to. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us what, what is your craft? What would you describe as your craft? I like to describe my craft from one of the statements you read when you were talking about me. My, my initials are FT. My, my friends call me FT. And I describe my craft as facilitating transformation personally. So for mm-hmm. over the past decade, I, whether by designing learning and development interventions or designing programs or designing products, I'm basically facilitating the transformation of individuals of organizations mm. and of nations. So I'm working on, I'm either problem solving to work on a policy document, advocacy project, a program that will reach thousands of young people or helping to put funds together to support a lot of change agents and social entrepreneurs. Everything I do is summed up in facilitating transformation. But if we want to go a bit technical, I more or less, I'm a problem solver, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I, design, I design solutions and I take those solutions to market. Right. So I, I rally, I mean, a good word to describe that is a social entrepreneur. I rally resources in kind, people, money together to deliver social change. And so that's what I've been doing. That's my craft, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would you say is the most empowering problem that you have solved to date? That's a, that's a very good question. That's like me reflecting on my life <laughs> mm-hmm. over the yeah, last 15 yeah. years, right? Um, sure, sure, sure. Or let's say in the last five years. In you the know, last five if you, years. If you can... Yeah, why not? Mm. I mean, today it would be great, but if it's if it if you can capture it more so in the most recent past, then whatever, whichever one. I I have a lot of favorites, but I think I would mm-hmm. choo- I would choose the U Day of Service. So in 2020, I helped mm-hmm. to create an initiative called the U Day of Service. So you can check out mm-hmm. udayofservice.org. And the whole idea of that was, I mean, we talk about how Africa is blessed with young people and Nigeria is blessed with young people. And many times during, during the International Youth Day in August, many people are just doing conferences and all manner of talk shops. And I felt the best way to celebrate young people is not to have conferences and have conversations around youth and their possibilities and the problems and all of that. The best way is to push out young people to show the best that they have to offer. So one of the things we did with the UD of service, and we do that, we started doing that from 2020, is we, we get young people to you know, volunteer for projects or initiate projects in their local communities as a way to celebrate youthfulness. So we have the hashtag youthful and useful. And so throughout that week, to, to commemorate what young people stand for, which is the agency they represent, the, the creativity, the, the energy, the voice, the aspirations, to bring it to life, by solving problems in their communities, using their talents, their time, their treasures, their tools. Um, for me, that is quite fascinating because it was just a simple idea that we almost canceled because of the pandemic. But mm. once we launched, we launched with a Nigerian focus in 2020, and we found young people doing all manner of COVID interventions across 18 states in Nigeria. And in 2021, we decided to just take it out and make it a Pan-African project. We had the African Youth, um, African Union Youth Division, quite a number of law partners, and we had projects running in 27 African countries last year. It was just a simple oh, idea. Wow. And with it, with it where people, photographers taking photographs, people painting schools, people um, running food, um, food drives, a lot of projects. You can check out the interesting things that were done in the reports on the website. But that simple thing, 
enabling and accelerating youth agency and youth creativity and youth voices to solve problems and to help localize and actualize the SDGs. As simple as it sounds, is something big. Um, it's big for many reasons because, I mean, I, I was in a meeting earlier today and we were working on setting up an advisory board for the 2022 edition. And, you know, a lot of interest, a lot of corporates want to jump, jump in, a lot more organizations want to host projects and even sub-grant projects. So it's exciting to see that little thing just come alive. And like someone, as someone who works on ideas, it's like, you know, I can imagine how big that would get. So last year it was 27 countries, over 3,000 plus volunteers in those 27 countries. This year we're going for minimum of 10,000 young people across Africa at the minimum, you know, executing more than 1,500 projects. Last year we had, I think, close to 700 projects executed during that week. But for me, it's beyond just what happens during that week. It's the fact that many young people, that is their first taste of volunteering. And mm -hmm. once you catch the bug, it doesn't stop there. You know, right. in fact, I think that leads to some of the bigger things I've enjoyed doing. In many of our programs in Leap Africa, we are a leadership development organization. And we believe that leadership is doing. Leadership is action. Leadership is example. And so a critical part of all of our um, learning and development interventions and training is the fact that you have to do. So we provide sub-grants and allow them to exercise leadership in little ways in their communities. And what we found over the past couple of years is those who just started by painting a school or trying to problem solve to, you know, we've had incredible projects of people building a bridge in a riverine community. We've had very interesting things. But what they get to realize is that they realize that they have the power of being a change agent. They realize their agency. They know that they, are, mm -hmm. they don't have to be part of the problem and talk about the problem, but they can solve problems. They can rally others towards solving that problem. And that whole process is leadership. That whole process mm -hmm. is, is leadership in action. So for me, it's about activating the leadership of others. From idea, them just jumping on an idea initially, and then moving on from that idea to institutions. We've had people that that simple change project they did five years, seven years ago, while on a lead program, is now an organization that, that, that is celebrating a five-year anniversary and you know doing big work, reaching hundreds of thousands of people. So that for me is... I think is one of the best things I've done in the past couple of years. Nice, nice. I would say so too. <laughs> <laughs> you touched on a few things, one of them being volunteerism amongst the youth in Africa, because slowly but surely we're getting to that point of it being more widespread and people feeling more like they can extend themselves beyond their, their own selves and their own families where you have, I mean, I think globally and in the quote unquote West, that spirit has been initiated for generations, right? Yeah. And I, mean, I want to say initiated institutionally for generations. And so now with organizations like yours and this program, we're seeing that there's actually a spirit. I mean, it's part of humanity is to volunteer and help and, and do these things. In terms of really institutionalizing that ethic throughout the year, what kinds of things are you seeing that are upspringing with other organizations or that you're able to also support year long as opposed to just on the days of service? Just like I said, um, correct to say that it's beyond the day or the week of service. Um, it's mm -hmm. more about the culture and that that ethos live and living with people and them dem um, demonstrating it all year round. In our work in secondary schools, we, we basically teach around leadership, employability, entrepreneurship. But one of the ways we found that young people can develop skills, soft skills, sustainably, is through volunteering or volunteerism, mm -hmm. right? And so through our, our interventions with schools, teachers, school, school administrators, 
we, we are helping them to create that system of allowing young people to embark on passion projects as a, as a pedagogy, basically, as a way of life, you know, as a way of teaching also. Because project-based learning uh, or problem-based learning or whatever way you call it is one of the ways young people develop all those um, very strong critical thinking, teamwork, and all those wonderful skills that employers are looking out for. So for us, it's, mm -hmm. it's about being major advocates for it in schools, even with private institutions that, that host young people for internships and employ young people generally. And for us, it's about encouraging more young people. So one of the things Leap Africa does also is we are very big in enabling the ecosystem. So we train and equip other youth develop other youth organizations. And if you know a bit about youth development, you know there's this framework that is called the Positive Youth Development Framework, which, I mean, is quite proven as a way to develop holistic youth. And it's all about helping young people realize their agency, helping to enhance the contribution of young people, creating an enabling and a safe, safe space and safe environments for young people. But a critical part of positive youth development is allowing young people to exercise their agency, right? So it's far beyond even adding value to community. It's actually a way to develop value-added, solid citizens, you know, locally mm -hmm. and, and across the community and of course locally. So for us, it's more about helping um, everyone that works with young people to really understand that it's a win-win for the young people, for the youth themselves, and a win-win for society if we volunteer more, right? And getting people, because like you said, volunteerism is actually kind of natural to us, but if the scope mm -hmm. is quite limited. You know, philanthropy mm -hmm. is quite, is not foreign to Africa, but it's quite limited. Exactly. People give to their families, they give to their mm -hmm. religious organizations. You hardly find an average African living in Africa that has a direct debit to the, the non-profit of choice, you know, to courses that right. like you'll find in the West, right? Mm -hmm. But it's about helping them to understand that, see, this society that we want to build, this nation, these communities we want to build will require much more from us. So it's as simple as training people and doing the advocacy. Like one of the things we also propagate um, and advocate for is helping to people to know that volunteerism and volunteering is easy. So we have something we call the five T's of volunteerism that you can volunteer with your time you can volunteer with your talents, you can volunteer with your tools, you can volunteer with your thoughts, and you can volunteer with your treasures. So, it, I mean, yes, you can volunteer your money, but beyond that, you can volunteer your time, you can volunteer your thoughts, you can be part of brainstorming to solve problems, you can mm -hmm. be part of using mm -hmm. your talents, you can be part of using your treasures. You say you have a laptop, a projector, a camera, you know, whatever that other people can use to add value to community and help people to see that we all win where we hold our stakeholders and we all put our hands to the plow and part of solving the problems around us. Right. Right. I love that. Yeah. The five T's. That's a great one. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it really sticks in your mind because everyone always thinks, Oh, you know, usually money or time, but there's, there's a lot more, more to it is very yeah. nuanced and it's about creating that spirit. So in that same vein, so you're empowering young people and we talked about culture. We also have this culture of, not really allowing young people to be and express and, and emerge. So how are you seeing the young people that are coming through your programs kind of infiltrating and transforming a lot of these institutions that typically keep them at the margins? <laughs> very, very good observation. And I think that's one of the things that has limited us. If we want to get the best out of young people, we need to give them space to mm -hmm. explore to exercise their agency, to exercise their creativity, give them room to fail, you know, and give them room to experiment. Many of these things, you know, what you're touching on is more 
we can say cultural, but maybe if we come to development language, we'll say a bit more about systems change, right? And yes. Systems thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And at the root of every system are, are mental models, right? And cultures mm-hmm. and belief systems. Ultimately, it is not easy to change. It takes coordinated, consistent efforts at advocacy and mind renewal and behavioral change to drive that change at that level. One of the best ways to help people to see value in something is example. So we see all of our efforts on the field as a showcase, right? Case in point, there's one school in that Bariga area that I described that I grew up in, that we, we have this project, this program that we call the Elite Program that we've run in a couple of schools in Nigeria, in Lagos, in Akwaibom and in Abuja. And Leap Africa is going to be 20 this year. And one of the projects we're going to scale up significantly is the elite program because we have a bit of evidence about the effectiveness of the program to help young people develop agency, leadership agency, employability skills mm-hmm. and the likes. As, like I described, as part of that leadership elite program, the students are, in, are learning in cohorts of 30, you know, different cohorts of 30, and they have to find a problem in their community to solve. Many times we provide seed funding of like $100 for them to get started on solving that problem. But we found people that rallied communities, rallied others, and maybe even fundraised up to 1,500 USD, 2,000 to execute really big sustainable projects. And we evaluate the project based on, based on innovation, based on the ability. To, so it's not even eat and run, just one off thing. We want them to really think creatively and find something that is so close home, something affecting them and their colleagues that they can solve. Mm-hmm. Now, this particular mm-hmm. school, maybe I should not mention the name of the school, but the school is on is, is um, in a riverine setting. So they basically take a canoe ride, um, several minutes canoe ride, ride to the other side to access school and other essential facilities. They used to have a footbridge years ago, but it has been washed off by erosion and all of that. And these kids were like, you know what? We want to build a new bridge. Right, so I can I can share some of these things with you offline. The video, there was a there was an article that was mm-hmm. about this and all, and they literally started talking to the community chiefs, to the artisans in the area, and we're selling this dream that we can build a new bridge, um, because this is affecting our education, is affecting the, uh, the businesses of our mothers. You know, mm-hmm. you have to pay to get there. The the canals pass at um, specific time periods. If you if you forget something, you have to go back. The water is so black and dirty and filthy. They, they get to school smelling because the water get staying in the kitchen mm, is on mm-hmm. you. And so mm-hmm. this was really personal to them. For long and short, within a month, they brought artisans, everybody volunteering their time together, and they built a bridge. It was so emotional that day in that community, them walking through wow. the bridge with the villagers and all. Now, that particular example is powerful for the community. When we were having conversations with the adults in, the, in that community, the community chiefs, the artisans, the adults that participated. You know, we had DJs who even came to play music for free when people were building. You know, it really brought the community together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were like, they could not believe that 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds could rally the community to solve a problem that everyone had been frustrated and complaining about for years. Sure. They see young people differently, right? Now, at that mm-hmm. local level, they get to, they believe more in young people. They, they want to listen more to them. They give them space to speak, space to participate more. Now, but mm-hmm. we can tell more stories like that to other communities, to other settings. That particular story I've used, this story I've used, we've used it to train other teachers across Africa to tell the power of the students they have. The fact that they should not limit them. They should allow them to think big, dare bold, you know, and dream aloud. You know, mm-hmm. so for us, it's, 
like I said, back to what I was saying that all of these projects are examples. The task now is now to share these examples to change mindsets. You know, right. all those preconceived notions that, you know, so for us, one of the things we see in Leap Africa is that youth is not a problem to be solved. It's a solution to be tapped, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. an opportunity to be tapped into. It's, it's, we want to enable it. We want to tap into it. We know it's like you've, you've seen gold, but you need to harness it. That's what youth is and what a, an average young person is. So even when that young person is deep in vices, that is gold in dearth. That is crude oil deep down that you need to bring out and really clean up, you know. So mm-hmm. for us, it's helping policymakers, helping um, development practitioners to really appreciate this fact, using these examples and these case studies as a way to change the mindset. And we have to do a better job, I dare say, that we have to do a better job of telling these stories, even mainstream, so that people really see. And that's why all of our projects, we, we see ourselves doing one thing, even we have several projects. So we have the elite program in secondary schools, reaching year 10 to year 12 students. But we have the Social Innovators Program, our year-long accelerator program for social change agents who are doing really big things, phenomenal things, attracting hundreds of thousands of dollars to do their work in different communities. So for us, we are meeting the needs of young people at different levels and making change agents out of them. Those who, the, the other part of what we're saying is that those students who were part of that bridge, they, are, they cannot remain the same. They will keep pushing the boundaries. Right. Right? They will keep taking their place, asking for more space, you know, mm-hmm. exercising their agency, and they will continually, continually change the mindset of others by proving them wrong that they can do mm-hmm. and they can be all that they can be. Another classical right. way we've seen this play out was internships for low-income students. You, mm-hmm. you, you probably can relate with this a bit. We, we have, can you believe that we have some people living in Lagos in Ajegule, in Apapa, all these other sides of Lagos, who had never been to Victoria Island. I was shocked. Like, mm-hmm. So here we, here we were running the project with some of our partners, and we had to place 100 students on the elite program in internship opportunities with global organizations, um, organizations locally and internationally. So, I mean, I was able fa- when I was going on field visits in you know, some of these organizations, I was fascinated, fascinated with the work environment, as in, even me with my exposure, I was like, ooh, okay, so this is what Google Nigeria looks like. You know, this is what... So imagine bringing <laughs> the child right. of a organizer, you know, um, of, yes. of, of a pepper seller, someone who mm-hmm. nobody in their family works in the formal sector. And mm-hmm. they now came into Victoria Island in Lagos and they are looking up at high rises like we're in, we're in New mm-hmm. York. And I'm like, come, this is Lagos. This is... And, and, you know, I like that question you said, which Lagos, what is your Lagos? Because there are different Lagos seas in code, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So mm-hmm. they were, some of them were entering elevators for the first time, seeing big screens in multiple dimensions from the first time, seeing many laptops and computers for the first time, sitting in boardrooms for the first time. One of the biggest things that happened is their aspiration changes, right. their possibility changes, right? right? Their worldview mm-hmm. changes. So whether through project-based learning, through a chain project or a give-back project or through internships or other opportunities for volunteerism and the likes, we are really, what we were doing there was not even about transforming the lives of the undress students. It was helping employers see that if we want to create employable youth, we have to be part of supporting secondary education to work by creating opportunities for more secondary students to come for internships. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So right. mindset change apples, whether with organized, organized private sector or with public sector officials or with other nonprofit organizations, helping them to appreciate the models that are effective in developing young people and to basically um, combat some of the, the preconceived notions around youth 
and 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 how to deal with youth or how to relate with youth. Right, 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 right. I love it. <laughs> so I want to understand the why, the where for you. We know you're from from Nigeria. You you know grew up there. You went outside. So tell us a little bit of why the where. How did you come to be living, working, and playing where you currently are? And this is in the context of you having the opportunity potentially to be anywhere in the world. Yeah, very good question. Um, I've always, I mean, before I could really define what I wanted to do in my life, thinking about it backwards now, I realized what I wanted to do was to be a change agent. So a bit of a background, right? I went to a military secondary school, um, Air Force Comprehensive School in the Badon. That's in the southwestern part of Nigeria. And one of my earliest frustrations growing up in Nigeria, surprisingly, that problem has not been solved. In my, in my primary school before going into secondary school was the public transportation systems in, in Lagos. I mean, you've been to Lagos and you see how, how hectic it can be and, and, and all. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't understand why the public transport could not be more decent, you know, and why even the public transport put pressures on private road users, you know, and just stresses everyone's, everyone, everyone out. And I, growing up in the military era, my first ambition was to become a senior military person because I felt that would give me the power to change things. So because of that, I had scholarships to some of the top private schools in, in, in secondary schools in Nigeria, but I, I opted for the military opportunity. So in fact, I had admission to both the Navy school and the Air Force school, but I went to the Air Force school because it was really prestigious. And I went there with the, I really was passionate about just, I wanted to get there then and channel my way into the into military work hard, get good ranks, and then be able to effect changes in my society. That, that was really my motivation. I now go to secondary school, and my eyes opened a bit, because in this particular model Air Force school I went to, so there are several Air Force schools, but this was their model school. They had all the mm-hmm. rich kids, whether it was the royal fathers, the politicians, mm. kids, they, everybody was there. And I realized that, see, the rank did not mean so much, because we had other people that had influence outside of military, because they were also there, their kids were there. You know, right. and I and then I changed my I changed my ambition that you know what I just want to have a lot of money because it seems in this society <laughs> money that works. <laughs> it's not about the rank because even the ranks the ranks bow to people that have money. I'm like, come on. So I decided that I started. I, we had these slum books we used to fill in high school. I went to, it was a boarding school where you you know yearbooks and slum books and stuff like that where you feel what you want to do in future what you know yeah. what you like to do and all those kind of things. I started feeling that I want to be a chemical engineer. You know, Nigeria and oil and gas now. Oil and gas, yeah. Like was tech. Tech wasn't so popular. Tech, you know, oil and right. gas was like the biggest financially lucrative career you could pursue, right? So I said, yes. I started feeling I wanted to study chemical engineering and work. My goal was I work in oil and gas, get a lot of money, and enter business because I felt that was a more sustainable way to grow wealth. So I changed mm-hmm. my aspirations, but it was later when I got into university and my university, all my admissions. I actually got I my. My SATs, all my admissions were, were chemical engineering. So, in fact, I was meant to be in University of Missouri, Roller. Oh. I had admissions. Mm-hmm. I had roommates. I had everything. I was, my dad had, um, I was in UK. My dad was schooling in the UK. So, I went to the UK um, just before school resumed. Then my dad just out of nowhere said, you know what? You are the only boy. Are, I kind of feel you are too independent. You're going to spoil. You're going to become a bad boy if we allow you to go and study abroad. So, you have admissions in Nigeria. You have University of Lagos. You have Covenant University. You have this. Just you know what? We are canceling that U- US one. Come back to Nigeria. 
I'm telling wow. you. Wow. As in, I'm telling you, that's what happened to me literally. So I was like grudgingly. Then, in fact, it, it made it softer. I said, you know what? You can come and in your second year, you can transfer credits and come back abroad or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that was more or less a trick, honestly. I, I was not Right, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I, I chose, I, I came to university in, in Nigeria and the first week of my university, this university is quite um, remarkable in, in the way they go about their work. And the first week, they started doing the things that guidance counselors should have done for us in secondary school. Mm. They basically were talking about mm-hmm. purpose, finding your life purpose, ambition, mm-hmm. career path. I'm telling you, that week was so enlightening for me. And I, and I realized I'd made, I made the wrong choices. Like, mm. I was there for chemical engineering. All my admissions, like I said, in all, my, all the universities were for chemical engineering. But I realized I don't even know the difference between chemical engineering, petrochemical engineering, and petroleum engineering. So like, right. I just was a fancy thing. I it was like, sounded good. Yeah. And I was trying to now unpack what were my talents, what were my gifts, what was my, what do I, do I enjoy doing? And having all those kind of wonderful questions, you know, and filling all those questionnaires and all of that. And I realized, you know what? I love solving problems. And I realized the biggest thing I wanted to do was be part of solving problems. And I can solve problems from different angles, not necessarily being a military person or being a public servant or being um, um, just um, getting money and then being a typical Nigerian big man or businessman and all. And then I started exploring. I decided at that point I was going to change my course. So in my second year, I changed to computer science. Computer science for me was not even, was beyond tech. It was really about the problem-solving part because here we sure. are talking about algorithms and all. And algorithms are just step-by-step way of solving the problem. So it really helped mm-hmm. me to develop my analytical mind, my you know, and all of that. And so that's how I, I found myself. And when I was in school, the school, you know, the school was a great platform. One of the best things you can do to young people is give them platforms to exercise and discover themselves. Exactly. Because the leadership journey is actually a journey of self-discovery, self-development, mm-hmm. and self-deployment, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So I had mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things while I was on campus. I, mm-hmm. I, I was part of, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to study abroad, actually. Um, I really wanted to be part of a lot of societies and communities and be part of volunteering and a lot of this. Because one of the things I had to do in my high school was I had to read a lot of biographies. That was my dad. Mm. I had to read biographies and submit book reports. So I'd read about the civil rights civil right movements in America. I read about all of these things. So I had a lot of plans of many things I really wanted to do. So I found examples or, or found alternatives for those things in Nigeria. So, I mean, I, I started volunteering, you know, for local YMCAs, British Council, in Nigeria, early on, I, I spent a lot of my time in my year one in prisons across Nigeria because I was volunteering for a prison nonprofit organization. Mm. Yeah, so I was doing supporting young people in prisons. <laughs> it's, I had a, so I basically was just exercising. I didn't even know. I didn't know too much about a career in development, inter, international development. I was basically just giving expression to my aspirations, to my gifts, to my talents. You know, and in my second year. We had this nonprofit on campus, the student-led nonprofit that had close to 700 members. I was so committed in that. And in my second year, I became the president for that. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. then my journey of trying to figure out strategy, fundraising, and all of these things, and coordinating efforts and projects across Nigeria came alive. So for me, it was more of just giving voices to that. And from there, when I, even, when I left university, my undergrad, I had quite a number of consulting opportunities and that's how my journey in international development start, started, right? Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of just, it was a journey of self-discovery to say, this is what I want to do. And realizing that there are different pathways. In fact, one of the biggest things that we try to help young people realize is that there are different pathways 
right? The right. classical right. African parent aspiration of my child must be a doctor, an engineer, mm-hmm. a lawyer. No, mm-hmm. like there are different pathways. You can create wealth. You know, you can you can generate income, impact, and influence by really discovering yourself and giving expression and finding pathways to give expression to what you carry and what you have. And so that for us, right. that's what we're trying to really, really do for young people that we interact with and then helping other people to create those opportunities for young people. Nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. So speaking of your coming home instead of going abroad, I want to get into my Glocal Speak question. <laughs> and so can you tell us a word, phrase, or saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you come to value it as Glocal Speak? I told you earlier that that, that was one thing I was cracking my head ahead of. <laughs> and I settled with the word bounce backability. Bounce backability. Backability. Bounce, bounce backability. Bounce backability. Ah, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, because that, that speaks about the resilience of the African youth to bounce back. Yeah. You know, yeah. whether you're starting yeah. a business, looking for a job, getting thousands of no's, and then no support from no institutional support, but still going about your craft, whether it's photography, music, movies, or getting a job or starting that tech business. And you know, that also, that's, that also speaks, you would constantly need to bounce back a lot mm-hmm. in, in Nigeria mm-hmm. and across mm-hmm. Africa. I mean, I'm privileged to walk across multiple countries in Africa and I find myself telling myself I have to bounce back, you know, whether after a bad day, you know, a bad conversation, a proposal that went wrong, you know, um, and so it's a, it's a big lingua in my, within my, my space right now, my team members. I mean, even today we still yeah. have, you know what, that plan, that project's not going according to plan. We need to bounce back, come back to the drawing board, you know, so bounce back ability. And mm-hmm. for us, bounce back ability leads to success, basically. It's that ability, right. that's what consistency means. Consistency is not maintaining the, it's not constantly, it's not failing, it's not not failing. It's actually the ability to bounce back after a bad day, a bad moment, a bad Sure. Um, conversation and just getting back and just getting things done. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's one thing that we definitely know about Africans is that there's so much resilience yeah. in us, right? Yeah. Anything can happen. And so that concept is so, so um, current and makes a lot of sense. Bounce back. Yeah. Keep it bouncing. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for part one of my conversation with Femi Taiwo. Please do join us next week for part two of our conversation where Femi talks more about his work building leadership and building youth in Nigeria and across the continent, as well as a little bit more about where he sees himself in the near future. I'm Florence Adu again, and this has been another episode of Global Citizens. You can catch us each and every week with new episodes on Tuesdays at www.globalcitizenspod.com dot com or wherever you get your podcasts apple podcasts google podcasts uh, amazon spotify podnots anywhere you get your podcast you can find us so until next time bye for now <laughs> <laughs>